0: Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most
1: current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Dawn, or email them at JTandtheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys.
0: Welcome to the next episode of JT. And the Don, I am the Don, Donato Bucci, and remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. There's so much live sports to cover, so let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How does it feel to have live sports back on?
1: Man, better than I thought it would. I'm so happy that something's on TV that we can watch.
0: I feel alive. I feel alive. I don't know about you, but I feel alive.
1: I feel happy that you're not bothering me as much texting me. Now that sports are on, now you you know you're entertained. You got something that can keep you busy instead of annoying me, but you know I thought-
0: You would think I would be texting you more when there's sports on. No, you're texting me
1: more when there's fantasy sports on. See, there's a difference. See, there's no leagues going on right now, so you don't have to text me as much to cry and complain.
0: I was going to be the champ of our uh, basketball
1: fantasy league, but... Anyway, see, we're not going to do this whole... I'm I'm not going through this with you, but let's start with the NBA, which recently just kicked off its restart this past weekend from the bubble in Orlando, if that's what you want to call it. So, Don, I just want to know, what are your biggest takeaways so far through the early action?
0: So, JT, again, I got to say, happy to have sports back. And I think the NBA bubble has been f- safe for the most part. Compared for the most to part. other <laughs> the exactly restarts. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I got three bullet points here. First, I want to talk about the Houston Rockets, all right? The small ball is like all or nothing JT and I never thought the day would come that I would say this but I actually get excited now to watch the Rockets Russell Westbrook
1: you were never excited before to watch the Rockets
0: No because I I just didn't appreciate them enough I if you asked me you know name your top 5 teams to watch pre the restart I they would not have been in my top 5
1: So I just want to let everyone know this is the same guy who is more excited to watch the magic play than the rockets. (laughs) Just letting you know the level of, you know, athletic intelligence you're listening to right now, but go ahead. You're making a very good point.
0: You're not selling our show at all by just that comment you made. What are you doing? That's terrible. Terrible. Looking for a new partner in a minute. See, I knew that was coming eventually. Listen, it was such a fun game and such a fun win to see against the Bucks the other night that the Rockets had that I think right now they're kind of number one story. I don't know if that'll continue to the finals, but listen, got to watch the Rockets. Two, Zion Williamson, all right? What is with this load management, Pelicans, all right? They meaning the NBA here had 22 teams come to the bubble. You know why JT? Because they wanted Zion and the Pelicans to get a chance to make the playoffs. And what happens? They're not playing him enough. Play him. Like, do you want to make the playoffs or not? You need him to play. If you want to make the playoffs.
1: And, and if listen. he's not ready, sit him down.
0: Exactly. Well, th- but that's if, what they mean. If he's doing. not ready, you shut him, him down. Sit, right. Yeah, shut It's him all down. nothing. And, and listen, I, st- I, I get the big picture, but I still don't agree with it. Like, I, I still don't get it completely because when will you ever feel comfortable playing this guy? Like, when? When will come the time where you say, we can put him out there 82 games, he can go full tilt 40 minutes, 38 minutes, 42 minutes? When? They
1: may ne- But they may never feel comfortable doing that. Look at Kawhi. He's never going to play 82 games ever again. Joel Embiid, how long did it take for him to – Be cleared to play back-to-back. I think this was the first year they let him do it. So I agree with you on that. I want to know what the plan is. Is he hurt? Is he too tired because he's overweight or something? I don't don't know what's going on. Everybody that's on the Pelicans seems to think that he's fine. He's ready to go full tilt. Even Zion's kind of pissed about it. So just Pelicans, be transparent about what the plan is. If you're sitting him for X, Y, Z reasons, let us know. Otherwise, we're just going to think you're stupid. But I did not want to cut you off just because you actually stole a lot of what I was going to say. I'm with you on the Rockets and more so James Harden. I think my biggest takeaway so far is he's out to prove that he is the best player in the NBA during these playoffs. Like, I, I see a different James Harden. He's motivated to play defense. You saw the defense at the end of that Bucks game. I mean, the team, the on, team defense. On, and that
0: was that was on Giannis. Yeah, on that Giannis. was on Giannis.
1: Yeah, I mean, the team defense overall, I think, has just, just been impressive and shocking. And nobody expected to see that from the Rockets. And he's averaging almost a triple-double through his initial game. So Harden is, you know, I feel like he's got a chip on his shoulder, with shoulder, which is dangerous. And to me, I feel like so far, they're officially the most dangerous team in the whole thing. So that small ball lineup, I agree with you. It's all or nothing. But, I mean, when it's all, I mean, it's dangerous (laughs) as hell.
0: It's something when it's all, yes. Yeah. And and real quick, JT, not to – you know, not – hopefully this isn't stealing more of your thunder. Probably is, but go ahead. (laughs) The Milwaukee Bucks, all right? They lost to the Rockets and on Tuesday uh, lost to the Nets. This is why they're not going to come out of the East. I like Giannis. I think he's a great player, going to be – MVP, if not this year, especially in the near future, it's going to be the face of the league. But this is also why Giannis will leave. All right? The Bucs are trending down right now. Well, if you're
1: basing Giannis staying in Milwaukee based on him winning the title, then he's Mm -hmm. gone. Like, they're not going to win.
0: Well, and, and but this is what I'm saying. This is why they're not. You can't lose this late in the season to the Nets. You got to beat teams like the Rockets, especially when you're up. What They were up like six points with about a minute to go. You have to – that felt like a playoff
1: game. I just right? felt like Giannis isn't tough enough. Like, you made a good point about that Nets team. They got Jamal Crawford out there. He's damn near 50. And some guy, I don't even know his name, pushed Giannis down to the ground and was like, I will basically beat the mess out of you. You can't you can't allow that, man. Kawhi would just either fight that guy back or just get up, take over the game, and just the, the Nets wouldn't even be a memory after that game. So I didn't think about the Bucks. They don't. I mean, the East really doesn't. I feel like there's nothing over. There. I feel like it's going to be the Raptors really doing the most of the talking over there. But to me, another thing that stood out to me was the Clippers, and I remember I think both of us kind of agreed they were one of the heavy favorites going into the restart, even at the beginning of the season. And I don't know what it is, but something just doesn't seem right about that team. I don't know if it's Kawhi. Maybe he's just not the right leader for that team, and it's kind of showing. Or, like, the whole Lou Will thing. Like, that just doesn't seem like something. The Lakers would never have that going on, especially during playoff time. Like, somebody wouldn't leave the bubble to go to a strip club. Like, those kind of things wouldn't happen on a LeBron team. And I that don't we know, know, what it, Whoa, know. we know of. Whoa, that we know of. Yeah. I don't know what it is with the Clippers. And if they have to lean on PG at any point, I feel like it's over. And to me, that's dangerous. And if you take a look at the Lakers. People aren't talking about this enough, but the Lakers might have the best player in the entire playoffs. And it's not even LeBron on their team. AD is playing at an MVP level right now. I mean, he's doing crazy things. And then you got LeBron as, that is always going to be LeBron. So Clippers worrying me is a a big takeaway. And then a small thing that's bothering me, I don't know if they'll shake it off or not, it's the Celtics. And I don't know what's going on with them because everyone just assumes like they're just always going to be there as a top two or three team in the East. Everybody's so quick to anoint Jason Tatum as, oh, in like three years he's going to be the best player in the NBA. He has come out just flat. And this is do or die. You can't do that and then say you're going to be the best player in the league a few years from now. And I don't know what's going on with Kimball Walker. I don't think he's played over 20 minutes in any game so far. He still has minutes restrictions after you know they essentially had a rest, so I don't know that kind of worries me. They're a team that I really want to watch closely to see what's going on.
0: Yeah, you bring up you bring up some good points there, and yeah, the the Celtics I don't I don't know, I'm with you there.'m I, I'm, I'm, I have concern for the for the Celtics. So, with all our concerns
1: being put out there on the table, <laughs> we got to pick somebody to win this thing. So, what's your prediction for the NBA Finals? So, one
0: concern I don't agree with you is the Clippers.
1: I think this is this is what... But you can't cruise, though. This is, this is the playoffs. I know what you're going to say. It's not like, the playoffs turn on Like, Kawhi is just going to turn into that, that killer that he was last year. I mean, everybody's healthy. Like, everybody's at full strength. Like, you
0: got to go in, full tilt. I just in, don't see it. Including probably... Kawhi and Paul George. And they're leading up to the playoffs. They're getting revved up. Think about last year. I was complaining that Kawhi was sitting out too many games leading into the playoffs. You're always complaining about Kawhi's games played. (laughs) Well, because he was on my fantasy team last year and I was in the finals and I needed him. But they ended up winning the title. So in the NBA finals, all right. Hope you're sitting here, JT. It's gonna be the Clippers versus your Heat
1: wow you know it's so funny i I have the heat as a close second but they the Jimmy Butler not playing thing is kind of bothering me I don't know what that's about
0: uh, just a small ankle that's yeah
1: right. yeah but I mean we need them um I'm going Lakers versus Raptors I just see that those are the two, two most complete teams um the heat are close to being a complete team like a top three complete team but I just see those teams are on a collision course in my opinion
0: all right we will see you heard it here first. Staying in the NBA, Jonathan Isaac made the news uh, last Friday. Oh, boy, did he. The Orlando Magic forward tore his ACL in his left knee in Sunday's game. But, like I said, he made news prior to Friday's opening game for the Magic when he elected to stand during the anthem, as well as not wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. JT, just wanted to get your initial reaction and thoughts when you saw or heard about that
1: um, my initial reaction is first of all prayers up to Isaac because that like, you don't want to see anybody get hurt and I know he's he's been battling injury for a while he plays for the magic which I know you love them yeah and we hope for a spe-
0: speedy recovery for him yeah that's for and sure.
1: regardless of you know if we agree or disagree with what he did what he believes how he feels I'd never want to see anybody get hurt and all that stuff that's going around on social media about you know people being happy that he got hurt because he chose to stand and not wear a black lives matter t-shirt. Um, I 100% disagree with that. So yeah, that's, I, that's a little
0: mess. That's messed up.
1: Yeah. I want to get that out the way. Now let's get to the reaction of the major question that you asked. Honestly, I didn't have a problem with his decision. I mean, he doesn't have to kneel. He didn't have to wear the shirt. I mean, those are his choices, but the part that bothered me about the whole situation is that as a, as a black player, he chose not to participate in any part of something that you tell me if I'm wrong, but I felt the entire league is, was basically on board in some capacity with this protest. Either they were going to do both or they were going to kneel, or they were going to wear the shirt players and coaches. So I respect this decision, but to me, it bothers me that one, you chose to not, to not do any of it. But when you were interviewed about it and um, shout out to Taylor Rooks, she always does a great job. And she asked him some very hard questions. One, why, why did you choose not to kneel? Why did you not wear a t-shirt? And he basically said he didn't believe that saving black lives wearing a t-shirt and kneeling was enough to do that. I'm fine with that. If that's your answer, but here's what needs to happen. And here's what I need to hear after that then if that's your thought process, what's your plan? Vocalize your plan to how you're going to bring awareness to the situation because what you're saying is with LeBron, Adam Silver, all these other players and coaches who have been in the league and around this much longer than you have, what you're saying is what they're doing is not enough in your eyes. So what's your plan? And I feel like he didn't answer that question. And that's destructive to me. Because it shows either he doesn't care or he's uncomfortable with having the conversation. Something about it is making him feel uncomfortable. And I felt when he was questioned about it, he really skated by on it. And I don't know. Did you did you see his interview?
0: No, but I, I read the articles on his interview.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just felt like this is a... I didn't realize how young he is, but it's a young kid. I think he's 22. Right, yeah. Um, He's probably a little naive. And the part of his answer that I really kind of wanted I want him to have to answer for and, you know, elaborate on more in the future is she Taylor, Taylor works did a great job. She asked them a second question where she said, basically, if you don't think the shirt and the kneeling is going to do anything, you know, what do you think needs to be done? And he basically answered that question with basically forgive everyone and let God. So he was basically saying, you know, we all fall short of the glory. You know, those who are bad, you know, forgive them, you know, so on and so forth. And I was like, you know what? In that situation, I probably would have asked him another question. And I would have said this. You're I know. I know you're a religious guy. Do you know what Genesis 4 9 says?
0: Why do you always ask me these questions and not press? Because you're a genius. You, you just know ex- everything. You, no, I do not know everything. You just expect me to know these Bible verses now.
1: In the, If I were doing that interview with Isaac, I would have asked him in the words of G-Money, am I my brother's keeper? Because that's what you that's should a be reference,
0: doing. That's a reference, by the way, to New
1: Jack City. Thank you, my man. New Jack City.
0: We need to make it clear for the fans out there. Come on.
1: But no. If he would, if he would have came to me with the, with the biblical answer, I would have went right back at him with this one. Am I my brother's keeper? Because basically you said, this is not enough. So I want to hear you say that those people who are Christian that are using Christianity to hide behind racism, are you going to be the, the person that's out there checking them to make sure they don't do this? And I don't know. I feel like that's something he might not be able to do. And he needs to understand that the same people that you're not speaking up against, they're the ones that are essentially not on board with things for people that look like you. So I don't know. It is. It was just a really awkward situation for him. And I feel like he's going to have a lot of learning to do. And the one thing I don't want to happen to him, like I said, he's very young and Steve Kerr put it best. He tweeted, before the first game, he said that with the NBA games now in full force, the inevitable, inevitable race-baiting kneeling is a sign of disrespect. Tweets are coming. Our message is clear. We love our country, and we also believe that this nation can and must do better to eliminate racism and bigotry. This is why we kneel. So that's the, the coach of probably the greatest dynasty since the Bulls telling him this is why we're doing it. We're not disrespecting anything. And my word of advice for him is, because I noticed that his when he didn't kneel, his jersey automatically went to the number two best-selling jersey behind LeBron immediately. Jonathan Isaac, if you ever hear this, don't turn into a Candace Owens. That's the one thing I will say, where people use your ignorance against your own people to turn you into some fake deity to justify their own presidents, their own their own prejudice. And the reason I say this is. He's going to get a lot of fake support from people that are happy that he did it, Neil, and, and that, you know, he's such a patriot and things like that. But just keep in mind, those same people that are showing you support now for what you did, are they are the same people that will call the cops if you were in their neighborhood. So I would just say while he's rehabbing, just really take the time to see who's there for you. And I think you need to reevaluate how you feel on certain things. And then he needs to come out and make a statement or sit down and talk with somebody so they can get some clear vision about, you know, what he's thinking and what he plans to do.
0: I didn't have an issue with him standing either, uh, just like you. Um, I thought, and I think he has the right and the choice to stand or kneel. And and just like I respected any player who was kneeling, like I'm not going to bash Jonathan Isaac and, and I respect him. You know, I, I think that is supposed to be the great thing about, you know, this country is the freedom of expression without the loss of liberty. Now, does that always happen with amongst ourselves? No, but through the government, you know, yes, freedom of expression, you know, without the loss of liberty. So he had a right to choose just like Colin Kaepernick did, just like all the other players on the court had a choice and they chose to either kneel or stand. He chose to stand. So I have no issue with that just like I've defended players that have taken a knee I'm gonna defend Jonathan Isaac because that's the great thing that hopefully yeah it's a choice in a choice that you have legally and he didn't break a law and neither have the players that have taken a knee and I think that's what opens up conversation as well as hopefully meaningful conversation now I'm a little confused as to why he didn't wear the the Black Lives Matter shirt. And I understand from his explanation, it appears that the ideas and the ideals of the Black Lives Matter organization do not coincide with his religious uh, beliefs, which I think, again, if we're respecting people, you can respect that and appreciate that. But I think what you mentioned there in terms of what, he was getting at in his explanation JT I'm not totally convinced that you have it down right because looking back and reading through it the way I took it was I think he literally took this chance knowing that if he stood people were going to ask him why he didn't take a knee and I think he simply took this chance or took this opportunity to basically you know we're not getting into politics or religion here this is just my opinion. What I think he did was he took his opportunity to stand knowing he would be asked interview questions in order to basically praise the God he believes in. And and but, I think that was his way of of not facing the matter at hand, but his way of doing his duty as far as being called upon religiously. I, I think get, that's why he did it. I get what you're saying, but – what does that have to do
1: with bringing awareness to social injustice? That's my point. Because if anything, I, by I, not I doing
0: think, it. I don't think, I, I I. think he cares about it, but he took this moment to say, hey, everyone's going down this road. He feels in his mind that, hey, we're forgetting about God and we're forgetting about religion and your duties. And I think he just wanted to bring that to light because you're right. In his explanation, I because I would be confused. I am willing, or I'm, I'm able to, I think separate the phrase "Black Lives Matter" to the group. So if he doesn't agree, if his beliefs don't align with the the organization, but I can that's, understand that. But that's what I want. that's what I want to hear from. That's what
1: I want to hear from him is. And what I think about? That's what he, was he didn't getting, say that. But he He didn't, was getting, he didn't say. He did. Oh, I'm not he, doing this because. Black Lives Matter doesn't align with what I believe in like, yes, He Yes, he come out Yes, to say he that. did.
0: yes, he did. He says here, he goes, "I thought that kneeling or wearing the Black Lives Matter T-shirt doesn't go hand in hand with supporting black lives or with supporting black lives. But kneeling
1: is kneeling and wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt has nothing to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. People can people are kneeling right now that have no affiliation with Black Lives Matter.
0: But that's what I'm saying. You and I, I think, can separate that out, right? We can separate saying, hey, Black Lives Matter, knowing that we're not saying it because we're part of the organization. We're saying it because it's a phrase that means something.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to my point of I just really want him to come out and better explain himself, because at some point by not, do, by not kneeling and not wearing the shirt, He's going to have to have this conversation. It's not going to go away. So he's going to have to, in detail, explain what are your plans to bring awareness to these issues if they are indeed important to you. He's going to have to answer that question.
0: And that's a great question. What What is the next step for you, Jonathan Isaac, right? You've now stood, and this is the same thing that I asked, you know, back in 2016, right, JT, like, all right, you're bringing awareness. Now, what is that next step? We all need to be able to help. But can I ask you two quick questions? It's on the subject. And if we go long, it's okay, because I want to know from you two things. First, did you have an issue then with LeBron James not putting one of the NBA-approved phrases on his jersey, instead going with his name?
1: No. And the reason I did it is because – I could be wrong. I felt I know why he did that, and it's because – The NBA didn't give them free reign to put on their jerseys, whatever they wanted in the name of social justice. So because he probably couldn't pick one of the things he wanted to bring personal attention to, he just probably decided to go with his regular name.
0: So you're telling me in all of the the phrases that I've seen, education reform, Black Lives Matter, all of those, you're telling me he did not approve of one of them.
1: If one of if the you tell me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen anybody wear these. If one of if some of the approved messages were Breonna Taylor or George Floyd, oh, he would have worn that on the back of his jersey. But I think because the NBA limited it a little bit, he just felt like it wasn't worth his time.
0: They weren't able to list all of the names, right? And they did not want to basically say that all the other people
1: don't matter over don't matter. over the more publicized ones. Exactly. I get, exactly. I get it. But at some point. the whole point is the players have to it's up to the players to choose what they want to bring you're telling me
0: so you're telling me he he doesn't even like black lives matter or education reform in terms of a of a phrase that he'd be willing to wear i i don't know i'm just asking because no no and and i could be i could be
1: wrong the flip side to that question could be LeBron just is super corporate, and he didn't want to do it. I okay. To me, I felt like when I saw the list that came out, I immediately heard players kind of in about it because they wanted more freedom to choose what they could put on the back of their jerseys. So I got to roll with that. And to me, take Myers uh, Leonard, for example, of, of the Heat. He stood. And he gave a direct reason why he stood. He's like, look, my brother and my family is a military family. I feel like it's respectful to stand for the anthem. But guess what he did? He wore the shirt because mm-hmm. the shirt showed that, look, I might not agree with the what you're doing 100%, but I understand the message and I'm standing with you. I'm not going to be 100% put myself above the movement that's going on that's important right now. So Jonathan Isaac didn't even do that. And I don't know if it's because he's young and he's not self-aware or he truly does not believe that this is an issue. Either way, he's going to have to answer one of those two questions.
0: Yeah. So listen again, with, so got to go back to the shirt thing. Cause I want to ask you this then, what does it matter in terms of him just wearing the shirt or not?
1: I know. And that's such a hard question to answer because basically what because it sounds like is we're I, saying the shirt the shirt cures all right
0: right right because to me because to me i i'm not sure like i it's again, not, it's it's an internal debate it's like not about the, him. it's
1: not about the shirt it's about it's about the support and letting people know where as where you stand and even if it's something that's directly affecting you and you're 100 percent full tilt out there you know in full force you know to combat what's going on or like you're a Myers Leonard it doesn't directly affect me but the the guy to the right of me is my brother is somebody that's personal to me I do believe what they're going through is for real and I'm gonna do everything I can in my power to support them so So,
0: but so why does LeBron get a pass then because everyone says well He's right. Like, why does he need to wear a phrase? Because he does all this other stuff. Well, we don't know what Jonathan Isaac does. Maybe he does it really quiet. And because he's not such a global superstar, we don't know about all the great things. And that's things why I'm not jumping all mean, over
1: him, is because we don't know. But,
0: but you're telling him to wear the shirt. But LeBron's okay not wearing a phrase. I mean, I I don't know the answer. Like, but I, the thing, I, but the thing is, to, but here's I want thing. him to wear the
1: shirt. But here's the, but here's the difference between you can't compare Isaac and LeBron. LeBron's been out there showing that. Guess what? If but, I don't wear, if I don't wear a phrase on the back of my jersey, but I've JT, been out there doing things. He's but in the JT. Forefront.
0: When LeBron was 22, what was he was he, he didn't have a school set up yet. Like you, you got to understand the position of life Jonathan Isaac's in. Also, we don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's doing it quietly.
1: Maybe he is, but guess what? He had an opportunity to say that, and he did not. And that's what I'm saying. He's going to have to vocalize that. That's all I'm asking for. Tell me, you're saying this plan is not good enough. Tell me what yours is and why it's better. That's all I'm asking for.
0: And so that leads me to my last question on this, because it's a really interesting topic because he's not a superstar. It is. And it seems... and it seems like we're making more of it than we have to, but no, because I, I think players are nah, individuals. I, I,
1: I, think this is, I think this is a big deal for the players because I'm telling you right now, if he doesn't become really good,
0: he'll be out of the league in like four years. So this, this leads me to the last question. Do you think he or any player, because it sounds like you're going to say yes here, but do you think he or any player that stands, for example, in these organized pregame uh kneel kneel downs should they have to explain why
1: to us no but they have to explain it to their teammates
0: oh that's a good answer okay i didn't think because like going back to the Marshawn lynch thing i always said hey his part of him being an athlete football player is post and pregame press conferences right like mm-hmm. they have organized times they allow the media in the locker room if they don't want you to talk to players they wouldn't even let the media in there so when you don't show up the things it's kind of like hey you're a professional you signed a contract part of your duty is also to show up to these things so I've always felt players should at least speak to the media and show up but the question is on something like this this that doesn't have a direct correlation to the game, the outcome of the game, should they need to explain it? And I like your answer. Like, no, but to his teammates, I think he, kinda, tell- he has that, like, kind of obligation to them.
1: Oh, for sure, because I'm going to tell, tell you why. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've seen this, but a few things that I've seen, let me know that this is why I said if Isaac doesn't come correct, he'll be gone in four to three, three to four years. One, only person that really came out to defend him was the coach. And he's like, you know what? He's not going to have a problem here. We're all behind him. Okay. The coach came out and said that. No players came out and said that. Also, they talked to your boy, Evan Fournier, asked him, hey, how do you feel about this? Honestly, we don't. He said, we don't have a problem. He really didn't let us know what he was going to do. So that either tells me he doesn't have a great relationship with his teammates or he didn't tell them for a reason because probably everybody in that locker room was on board with doing this protest in some form or fashion, either the shirt or kneeling or both. And he chose not to do neither. And his teammates didn't even know he was going to do it. So, Mr. Isaac.
0: Someone is lying, though, JT, because the articles I've read, and I have it pulled up, it says Isaac went on to explain that he informed his teammates of his decision in a meeting before the game started.
1: Like I told you, Jonathan Isaac. You're going through rehab. You're on the clock. You got three to four years to get this together or you will be gone. Promise. Because LeBron won't let this fly. All right. So let's move on to baseball where we're now over a week into the MLB season. and It has been crazy to say the least. Uh, the Marlins, of course, always setting the, the standard for all things wrong with baseball. The Marlins have had 20 total people in their traveling party test positive for COVID-19. And their whole week of games are now postponed. In addition to this, several other games were postponed related to the Marlins as well as unrelated, such as the St. Louis Cardinals, who are also having their own mini outbreak of COVID. So, Don, what are your
0: takeaways so far from this MLB restart? Well, I got to jump right to the biggest one. The Minnesota Twins, as of the recording, as of Tuesday night, 9 and 2, JT. I mean, they have. Balanced pitching of different skill sets. Time out, time out. Out of everything I just read,
1: your biggest takeaway is the twins are nine and two. Go ahead, cool.
0: Absolutely, give them some love. Give the small market team some love, man. You know, you'd be talking about the Marlins if they were nine and two. So, man, you'd be talking about if they were four and five, they've only played three games. So, anyway, the also the hitting hasn't been awesome for the twins, but. That means they have not peaked yet, JT. And they're already nine and two, and they haven't been crushing the ball. So give it time. Other things, real quick, Aaron Judge, JT. Gotta oh, love, I mean, yeah. gotta, gotta love it. Five straight games of homers. Did you see him crush the ball the other uh actually Monday oh, he's, night's game he's off, of, them. off of the Red Sox pitcher Matt Hall? I mean, it was a rocket.
1: He is literally and, my biggest takeaway is just man if he can stay healthy yeah how many mvps can he win
0: mvps is tough maybe more like how many home run titles? well
1: home runs win? home run titles for sure but i feel yeah. like he if when he's healthy he's not just a good home run hitter but he's like a big game hitter like when the games are big he can do that
0: he, he, Got to be able to play defense, too. Got to be able to play defense, so keep that in mind. Two other real quick things. Keep an eye on the Padres, JT. I've been telling you that for years, especially with this extended Well, Dan, you've been telling me that for, like, five years. (laughs) I'll be up getting sleepy. How long I got to keep my eyes open? Especially with the extended playoffs, they're going to get in. And then this is the thing that bothers me most that's starting to be thrown around. The fact that MLB might determine division winners by percentage, all right, by winning percentage would mean Miami right now is currently first in the NL East. They're two and one, JT. You can't go by percentage. You got to figure this out. You got to get all these 60 games in.
1: Hey, look, those are the rules. Those are the rules. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely the Aaron Judge thing was one of my biggest takeaways. I mean, he's on a tear right now. Uh, My other takeaways aren't necessarily – I'm glad you went with, you know, the actual teams and what's going on on the field as far as play uh, my other takeaway is i don't know i might be the only one in this camp the hate for the astros to me is overblown and overrated like the way like the whole thing the situation with the dodgers and kelly and how he was you know trying to take off career and uh Correa's head and he beam bregman this, this is just ridiculous okay they cheated get over it if they didn't cheat does that mean that you were still going to beat them we don't know. Do other teams not cheat and steal signs? Yes, they do. Okay, they got their punishment. Let it go. Like they—they—they've suffered enough to me in the court of public opinion, and just the way I saw the Dodgers go at them in that game, I was like, this is too far. Because here's the thing: if I were—if I were on the Astros, here's what I would do. If I were—if I were Correa, soon as somebody does that to me, I'm going straight to the pitcher with my bat, and nobody will ever do that again like MLB has to get this under control because somebody's going to get really hurt. Like they're really trying to hurt these Astros players and at some point they're going to have to retaliate. So um I know everybody's mad at them, but I think we've reached the tipping point. It's gone too far. And well, then just my
0: real real quick let me interject there. Joe Kelly was the wrong guy to throw at them cuz he was on the Red Sox in 2018 and we know what possibly okay, happened. Thank you. Well, we know thank what you. happened there. They have been punished for so he was the wrong guy to try to lay down the law. But going back to Correa, you bring the bat out to the mound, you're done for the rest of the year. You don't, you don't take that chance.
1: It's not about What you got to do, JT,
0: is you go out. If you're oh, going to go that route, hands. if you're going to go out with that route, you got to go out there with your hands and take care of business. But again, I wouldn't recommend that either. You know what I would do? I would take my base. Next time you put one in the zone, I'm hitting a homer to teach you a lesson. Like you, you make me mad. You're gonna pay the price,
1: man. I'm telling you right now. If I'm an Astros player, I'm like, look, I'm getting hit either way. Somebody, I gotta send a message. I'm going out there. If you it's can't Kelly take the out bat. there, you
0: cannot take the bat.
1: If it's Kelly out there, oh for sure I'm rushing the mound. What's he gonna you,
0: do? You can't take the bat.
1: And then my biggest takeaway is just that MLB has completely blown this whole situation with restarting the season. How could you not start in a bubble and you see what happens? three teams have COVID outbreaks. Cause I don't know why the Rockies one isn't getting reported. Cause it happened kind of before the season started, but the Rockies had their own little mini breakout of COVID too. So you have three teams with astronomical COVID numbers. It's obviously not working. You're putting players in danger. Um, they just, I don't understand why they didn't think this through better. Yeah. So I guess I kind of, Letting into the next part I want to know from you is, do you think they'll actually finish the season?
0: Yes. Again, these leagues will do whatever, JT, to finish. Um, and I hate saying this, but I think, and it's clear, right, they'll put the players in a precarious situation just to, to get it done, to get games in, to make that TV money. I
1: want to disagree with you so bad, so I'm just going to say No, no. There's no chance because, of, like I said, they don't have a plan, and they got to start thinking. If we don't get this under control and we continue to push forward with this season, at some point we're going to be susceptible to lawsuits down the line. So, look, just shut it down. It's it was a bad idea from the start. You had it, you had, you gave it your best shot. It didn't work.
0: Uh, was it their best shot? I don't know, but okay. <laughs> I hope not. But so, well, some guys that are deciding to opt out of the season. Is happening in New England, JT. The Patriots have had eight players opt out of the 2020 season as of the time of the recording of this show. Some of the bigger-name Patriots include Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Brandon Bolden, and Marquise Lee. They, by far, meaning the Patriots, have had the most players opt out of any other NFL team. So how will it affect the Patriots?
1: (laughs) Not at all. Because we we always thought Belichick was going to be tanking for uh, Trevor Lawrence this year, so it's a win win for him. Either they're going to have a season, and you know they're going to be terrible. He's going to get Trevor next year, or you know they play. I mean, they don't. The season doesn't happen. They get Trevor anyway. So it's a win win for them. And then also too, I mean, yeah, Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung are some big names, but let's be honest, like Bill Belichick can make it work with anybody. So. If he's got the third string guy from Central Iowa, the starting neck receiver, and Cam's got to throw to him. They got to win a game. So I don't think it'll affect them that much.
0: Yeah, I agree. It won't. They'll still make the playoffs. I, you you said it. You said it right, man. Chung and Hightower, besides these other, besides them, none of the other players are impact players.
1: I didn't even know Marcus Lee was on the Patriots.
0: <laughs> Patriots will fill the when, void. When did, he
1: leave, when did he leave Jacksonville? I thought he was still there on injury reserve. Like he always is. <laughs>
0: he was a free eight well he he signed as a technically look at you you gotta go to
1: ancestry.com just to see where he is in the league nobody knows nobody cares
0: (laughs) uh and and listen their division is not that strong i know the dolphins are in it the jets you got the bills but the division's not that strong how you you gonna start a
1: conversation with like their division isn't that strong.
0: I know the Dolphins are in it. No shit. <laughs> well, you didn't bring up that point, so they're going to be fine because they got your Dolphins in it, in their division. But listen, with Chung and Hightower, pieces. The, Patriots, their pieces. The, the Patriots were probably going to trade them like they did with Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones. They, they were going to do what you do in fantasy football, JT. Try to sell high when they know they no longer are worth their value so they're probably wow. happy these guys aren't on the roster right wow now. thank you i appreciate that. that's a compliment so will we see more players opt out or even some superstars opt out
1: i wanted to say no but i was reading a report before we got on here that they're saying some major stars are planning to opt out and they were throwing around names like christian mccaffrey so uh, i don't know we'll see what happens but i gotta imagine no, they're not gonna opt out because one, I think the players, the star players that are making the money, they've worked too hard to get to where they're getting that big contract and they want to make sure they get all of it. So I'm assuming if they opt out, they're forfeiting some of that money. And I think what that's why you see guys like Odell, like he's pissed they're playing, but he's also saying he's not opting out. So gotta be some money involved. But um, and also the NFL kind of forced the player's hand. Uh this Thursday, they bumped up the opt-out date. So they don't have as long to sit on the fence and kind of wait for things to develop. Like Thursday of this week, you're in or you're out and that's it.
0: Yeah. So you get, if you opt out without a medical reason, you make, you earn 150,000 only. Yeah.
1: If, if you, I got a $60 million yep. contract, I will be there.
0: If you opt out, but medical reason, you get 350,000 and it counts as a year of service. So I will be there. I agree with you that the uh, the superstars I can't see them opt out because even McCaffrey, like he wouldn't, he would have, he wouldn't, he'd have to wait another year to get that extension really to kick in. So oh, yeah. he's he's got to play, he's got to get his service time in. And you could you might see some other players opt out here and there, but none of the superstars because also you got to understand, you know, these guys live for this. This is their job, and they only have so many years. JT. Like yeah, exactly. Drew Brees, you know, Drew Brees is up against the fence. Tom Brady, Gronk, they're up against, you know, they're up against time. So, in even the younger guys, like Julio Jones, like Julio Jones knows he doesn't want to sit out. And, I forgot and just,
1: Julio was even over 30. Damn, yeah, he definitely don't have that much time.
0: Like, he doesn't want to sit out and lose a year. So, that's why I think the superstars, it's it's very difficult for for them to sit out. So, uh, but you bring up a great point. Too much money on the line and. We know money always talks. So, JT, about halfway through the show, let's go to our halftime adjustments. Let's let's get into some college action here. Pac-12, JT. A large group of Pac-12 athletes are leading a charge of not playing this upcoming season, if there are any athletics at all, unless three main areas are addressed by their schools and the Pac-12 conference. One, health and safety protections due to COVID-19. Two, Uh, racial justice, and three, economic rights. So just wanted to get your thoughts on if they are making the right move by possibly sitting out, unless those three areas of concern are addressed.
1: Absolutely. And they're making the right move because, well, one, this is the, the light spotlight on them to bring attention to these issues. It's not going to be as bright as it is now. So They definitely are doing the right thing in that, and then like players are just tired of, you know, the schools having all the power and not doing anything to benefit the players because the players are the ones that are taking all the risk. At the end of the day, they're the ones that are putting the butts in the seat. They're the ones that are they're the ones that are driving revenue to the school. And at the end of the day, like if you don't make it to the pros, you're basically tossed aside. So uh, the COVID thing, I think, is the most winnable argument for them right now just because I don't think the schools are following the COVID protocols at all and I think that's why you see some of these star players opting out Um, I know uh, the receiver from Minnesota opted out today the cornerback uh, Caleb Fairley from Virginia Tech opted out I believe last week and he said the reason he opted out was because at VTech they weren't following the protocol rules for social distancing guys were going home When people were coming back to campus, they weren't being tested. And he's like, look, I was standing around one day and I realized we were 100 deep in a tight space with no mask. He's like, I gotta go. So if anything, just for their immediate personal safety, yeah, these guys gotta bring attention to that and hold these schools accountable. And then we already talked about the revenue. The players have always been tired of not benefiting from revenue. So they wanna speed that process along of making some money, which I'm all for. And then also, I know they're they're using this as an uh, opportunity to bring attention to social justice issues. But I think a lot of this has to do with bringing attention to, you know, racial injustice for themselves within their own programs. What's the running theme of this offseason for college football? Every coach is racist. (laughs) Literally, that's what's going on. They've had they've had it at Clemson. They've had an incident. We just had one at TCU, which we're going to talk about the whole Mike Gundy situation, you know, um, Iowa. So this is this is something that, you know, is starting to look like it's the culture in college football. You have these overbearing coaches and their staffs, and these black players are feeling like, you know, we're basically being mistreated. So absolutely, they, they, they're they doing the right thing of bringing attention to all three of these um, aspects, and it's going to help, you know, the experience of future college football players as they come along. So I think this is a good thing.
0: Well, n- not every... Program is, I like know, that. but I'm just not saying it's it's, it's the running theme of all the offseason I know, But let let's just make that clear. And your last point is where I want to start because that's a great point. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices for the greater good and for future gener- bullet. F- and for future generations. And this is the chance for the Pac-12 athletes going forward. So I think they're making the right move because if there's any season to sit out over demands, this is it because of not <laughs> wanting to put yourself at risk of COVID-19 either so um and listen the conference will go if if these athletes don't play the conference will go from taking a big hit in terms of revenue to making nothing jt and realizing then how important the players really are to this to the whole athletic department and One of the things they're also fighting for is getting health insurance for six years after, you know, they're done playing after they graduate, they got to stick to their guns there and got to make sure they get that. That's always an important thing. And you know, what, what's kind of ironic here, JT is colleges and universities want to build leaders, right? They, they, They say they do. (laughs) They want to create leaders and that is exactly what is going on here among these athletes. And now, the conference wants to silence them. Like the commissioner of the PAC 12, Larry Scott up until today wasn't even going to meet with them. So you're trying to silence them when they're just doing what they've been, you know, taught to do at these colleges and universities, right? Be Something great.
1: Good choice of words. Silence them.
0: Be leaders. So I think with, the first and in, in, in with the racial um, justice, I know what they're trying to do is also um, get a permanent civic engagement to address uh, the uh, social injustice issues. So they're fighting for that too, which I think shows you know how mature the athletes are as well. That it's not just about them in not just about future athletes, right? It's it's about the community. Yeah. These
1: these kids are, these, I think these kids actually care. They get, they get this part of things.
0: Right. Right. So I I mean, at the end, I I think they're, they're making the right move. Um, And we'll see if it makes changes. Now my follow up, JT is, will they succeed? Mm -hmm. All right. That's a big difference. Now, will they succeed in what they are looking for, especially those three areas? deep down, I want to say yes, because obviously, I want this to be successful. And but let me explain. Yes. Let me explain the economic rights. I think they're trying to go for like near a 50 50 split if I'm if I'm correct. Ooh, that's a lot. That's a I, lot. I Maybe that may have been some something from before, but they want their economic rights, meaning they want to get paid.
1: Yeah, 50 50. When you that means some people that were used to making a lot of money are going to make no money. So I got to go with no. And it's because you said something really interesting. You said that. They've been essentially trying to silence these guys before this story gained the head of steam, and I I'm gonna say no because I think exactly what you said. I think the Pac-12 conference and the coaches within that conference are gonna try to bully these guys behind the scenes, and I mean it's kind of already starting because look at what the uh, Nick Rolovich, the coach at Washington State, told his receiver Cassidy Woods. He said, uh, "If he joined this coalition." And I quote, that's going to be an issue if you align with them as far as future stuff. The COVID stuff is one thing, but joining this group, it's going to be different. If you say I'm opting out because of COVID and health and safety, I'm good. But this group is going to change how things go in the future for everybody, at least at our school. So basically what he's saying is you with them or you with us, choose wisely, because once you cross that bridge, you cannot come back. And I think a lot of those types of messages are going to be sent throughout the Pac-12 schools and it's going to be very difficult for some players to make that decision so immediately I'll say no they won't be successful doing it
0: well I don't think they'll be successful immediately on the economic rights part because that's going to have to come at the larger level of the NCAA like that's going to have to change from the NCAA and not just the Pac-12 like the Pac-12 is not going to be the only conference that does it now, in terms of the, the, the health and safety protections that they want, as well as the uh, social justice issues um, addressed, I think that's where they can dig their feet in, dig their heels in, and get changes there. And at least in the immediate term, they got to get, as you mentioned, some of those safety protections changed right away because yeah. – you know, if the schools want them to come back and practice, there needs to be a different different protocols need to be in place. It seems like
1: this is going to sound sort of messed up, but to me, I feel like they gotta go. They gotta go for the money. The money has to be the most important thing with this group because, yeah, the to us and to them, the health and safety from the COVID thing is important, and of course, the racial justice thing is important. But really, you're doing this to get the money. Like that's the one thing that. If if you come away from this whole situation with that deal in hand, they can't the Pac-12 and college football can't BS you going forward with it. They can BS you on the social justice. Oh, you know, we'll set up this fund. We'll set up this program and we never know what happens. Oh, you know, we'll install these safety protocols and then, you know, the story disappears and we don't know what happened. We don't know if they're really following the COVID protocols with the money. If it's a 50 50 split. Oh. That's going to be reported. We're going to know exactly what's going on because people are getting paid. So, don't lose sight of what you need to accomplish. Number one in this thing, and it's the money, and that has to happen in order for it to be a success, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's it's like playing poker, though. Like, are you going to call their bluff? Is the conference going to call your bluff, and are they going? To, are you going to call their bluff? Because if it comes down to economics, it's probably going to mean the players are going to have to sit out because I don't see the conference paying.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens when uh, they don't play games. But, you know, sticking with college football, let's go to our conference, the ACC, where, I don't know, this was crazy. We're going to go to an all-conference schedule for football this fall, which is going to include Notre Dame, which I'm happy about. Uh, There will be no divisions, and the top two teams in the ACC will make it to the
0: championship game. So, do you love it, like it, or trash it? So I have to do one editor's take here, and it, you can blame the writer. They're also allowing one non-conference game within your state. So, for example, the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, that must be a new
1: development. Okay.
0: The, for example, Miami Hurricanes could play UCF. Um, I love it, JT. It would mean, just in general, it would mean we have football, right? Mm-hmm. And And that's what we want every fall. I mean, we want that. You and I want that every weekend, but. We can't get it, but at least in the fall. So now I want to make – well, I want to make sure, though, that the the administration – or that they administer kind of conduct the season, though, in a safe way. I've always told you that from the beginning, JT, with player safety as the number one priority. So if they can do that, I love this, all right? And the ACC basically told the Big Ten and Pac-12, hey, if you don't want to play us, that's fine. We're fine without you. We don't need you this year.
1: Yeah, it's and, easier for us to get to the college football playoff and by not having in, to play you.
0: And bringing in Notre Dame means that when you're at Notre Dame, guess what? ACC teams, every Notre Dame home game this year is going to be on NBC. JT, wow. great I didn't exposure. Even think about it that way, great exposure for the conference too. Yeah, I'm.
1: I agree with you. I love it. And to me, if you're an ACC fan, you have to love it because. Essentially, what this means is nobody can duck Clemson this year. So we're all essentially starting off with one loss. So that's good. And then they're throwing in Notre Dame, which to me is exciting because they're perennially overrated every year. And I think half the teams in the ACC could beat them. We beat them, what, back in 2017, 41-8 to with Malik Rozier and Travis Homer. Just think about that. So this team that we have this year is going to be way better than that one. And Whoa, with, whoa!
0: You're you're talking way too quick as a Canes fan now. Derek King, Don't to us. Don't the Eric King, third highest Heisman Don't jinx odds, us. Don't jinx Yo, us, JT. What do you
1: always say? Vegas knows something. They put they put him as the third highest odds to win the Heisman. Vegas knows something, so I'm rolling with them.
0: Okay, okay. Use my words against me. I agree.
1: And I think as an ACC fan, the best scenario is that Notre Dame is ranked when you play them and you beat them because that's a resume building win. As a hurricane, I think we should be the second best team in the ACC right behind Clemson. Like, we're not going to kid ourselves. Clemson is the best team, and it's not close. But for us, what this means is if we, you know, don't do normal hurricane things and just handle our business with everyone else, we essentially got two shots at Clemson. So if we can make those shots count, we can sneak into the college football playoff. This, to me, is the easiest and clearest path we've had to get into a national championship in probably like 15 years. So we got to be ready. We have all this talent. We got to be ready to go and we got to be focused. Like this season is about beating Clemson and we have to like lock in on that.
0: I don't know. You're more optimistic than me. so Dude, they say we got the third best
1: quarterback in the country. What do you want me to think?
0: I like that. I'm just saying
1: overall, we know the history of the past. We got, they say we have the years. best pass rushing duo in the country. What
0: do you want me to think? I don't know. Let me see it first, then I'll believe it. So going, staying in college football, let's go over to Texas, the state of Texas. TCU linebacker Dylan Jordan posted on social media on Monday that TCU head football coach Gary Patterson repeated the N-word when explaining why he would send Jordan back to Pittsburgh, Kansas. They had a... Heated exchange in part because Jordan, according to Gary Patterson, had been using the N-word himself in team meetings. Now, it does appear that Patterson repeated the N-word, but did not use it directly in addressing Jordan. Basically, he was not calling Jordan the N-word. So, JT, is Gary Patterson in the wrong here?
1: Absolutely, because under no circumstances should he use that word. But I will say this, though, he could have handled this very easily. I agree with him. If he wanted wanted Dylan Jordan to stop saying the N-word, sound like it was getting out of hand, you know, in team activities, just walk up to him and say, look, you're going to stop saying that word. The next time you say that word, you're off the team. Simple. Like, you don't have to say that word to get your message across that you don't want him to say the word. So, Patterson, you just got (laughs) to – you got to be self-aware like what's going on in the country with especially what's going on with programs in college football and you know accusations of racism against their players there's no way you could think this is okay under any circumstances like this is going to get out but um he i just can't believe he's this stupid like it just makes no sense but um yeah for sure he
0: was in the wrong Yeah, I I agree with you. Of course, he was wrong for restating the word when he didn't need to. Like I even have it written out. You can get your point across without using the actual word. And like you said, if it was such a big deal in meetings after the meeting, you have a talk with them. Um, And also you have seen what has happened at other programs. Right. So. If you are just saying, "Oh, I was telling him not to use it." No, you know it was wrong because you're seeing what's happening in other programs. You can't play the
1: ignorance card, you know like
0: right? because you know about it. So I agree. And I've told you this before that times have changed for college coaches, but coaches shouldn't fear that. If no, doing, times haven't if changed.
1: Surveillance if, has changed. If
0: they're doing if they're doing the right thing, they shouldn't be worried about it. Oh, well, now. Find out. I want to know though, JT, two things. Should he be fired for this? And should there be any consequences for Jordan himself for using the word, which well, I think you bring up a good point. It was getting out of hand at that point, even amongst the players Meaning with Jordan. Let me tackle the Dylan
1: Jordan thing. That's the name, right? Dylan Jordan. Yes. Yeah. Let me tackle the Dylan Jordan thing first. And the reason I want to tackle that one is, I think I think you people are going to see this and they're going to automatically compare it to the Clemson or the Iowa situation. I think this one is a little different from the fact that Jordan, to me, just based on what I've read, he seems like one of those teammates where he's a knucklehead and he's just he just went too far. And you know, Patterson might have reached the bowling point with him, and some of his teammates might have reached that point with him. And they're just tired of him. So there's always that one person on the football team that, you know, because they're a knucklehead, they do stupid stuff, we all got to pay for it. Because Patterson also called him an a effing brat. So that just lets you know, like, their type of relationship. Like, he thinks this kid's immature. He's like, look, man, like, I'm telling you, just grow up. Like, I'm sick of this. And then there was another player on um, a tight end. I think his name is Travis Lynn. He defended Patterson, basically saying that Like you said, the slur wasn't directed at Jordan and he was kind of upset that that Jordan went public despite the team meeting about the situation. So I don't know. I I don't know if it's, you know, because this Jordan kid is always screwing around. And then like, you know, some people probably feel like, oh, now you're just using this, you know, as an excuse. But it just seems like within that locker room, there's there's certain opinions about him, about Jordan personally. But with that being said, he has to be fired. Patterson has to be fired. Just on optics alone, like, you're the head coach. Not some assistant, not some strength and conditioning guy that you can say, like, oh, I was locked in my office for 20 years. I never knew this was going on. Like, you are the guy. (laughs) You said the word. A Mike Gundy press conference is not going to fix this. Like, they got to fire you. And I feel bad because Patterson is the best coach they've ever had.
0: Yeah, it's man, it's it's a tough call. It's a tough call because I think at the very least I think we talked about the Clemson assistant coach at the very least he's got to be suspended at the very least and like you said this time it's the head coach. So, you know, it starts and stops with him. So, man, it it's tough. You almost don't want to go to the point of firing someone where he was trying to correct the player. So, he's got to be suspended at a minimum if they fire him. I wouldn't be upset about it in terms of, you know, defending the coach there if they go that route. But I think at the very least got to be suspended at least a game or two. Well, this
1: – I want me to cut you off, but the reason I agree with you, it's going to seem like I'm defending him. The reason I kind of don't want him to see him get fired is because – Unless there's a story that comes out that there's a culture of this at TCU, then that's different. Right. This seems like this kid was getting on his nerves and he yeah. just didn't listen. He's like, look, I need you to stop saying this word. This is the word. Shut up.
0: Right. And in in the the players did seem almost all of the ones that went to social media or with the press automatically defended Patterson here. So I've got to believe that th- there's a trust there with the coach that he is looking out for their best interest for the most or, part.
1: Or Jordan is just that guy on the team that just doesn't get it. And he's always doing too much. And some guys are just sick of it. He's immature.
0: It may be, it may be that, and, and that goes to my next point. If you're going to suspend Patterson two games, I've always said coaches, executives got to be held to a higher standard, especially in college because the pay, players are not getting paid. They're not professionals. So, If you suspend Patterson two games, I think you got to suspend Jordan one game. Um, If you go to route of firing, Gary Patterson, I don't know what you do with the player then. Do you suspend him half a season? Do you suspend him for the season? Do you kick him off the team for conduct detrimental to the team? I don't know. So I think it first depends on what is the consequence for Patterson – because, again, for the player, you're right. It seems like this was getting out of hand, and even the players weren't appreciating what I'll
1: he was tell saying. you what. If Patterson does get fired, they won't have to worry about suspending Jordan. He'll have to transfer because it sounds like the players would much rather have Gary Patterson than him.
0: That's a good point. Good point.
1: All right, so let's go to NFL. Uh, the NFL Top 100 list last week had everyone going crazy, but we're going to focus on Patrick Mahomes in particular, and also Charles Barkley. So as everyone knows, Mahomes was ranked number four on the NFL's top 100 list, voted on by the players. That's your favorite.
0: That's your favorite list. That's all I you've been talking it. about the, the last two weeks. Because the Man. players,
1: the players vote on it. So Mahomes was ranked behind Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, and the MVP Lamar Jackson, who Jackson was voted number one. Now Charles Barkley said to not crown Mahomes so quick as the greatest player in NFL history which some people have been doing because he has not done it long enough and has only been to one Super Bowl plus Barkley went on to say that his success could be a product of Andy Reid as a great coach and all-time great NFL weapons around him since he's become the starter so I just want your thoughts on Mahomes being ranked number four let's
0: start there before we get to Barkley all right it's too low number four you're telling me there's three players better than this guy? Well, one of them is the guy who you're always telling me is the best player in the league. I do. But, no, no, there's a difference. MVP Russell Wilson. But I got Mahomes number 1, all right? 2 years in a row now this guy. Now, he now has after this year, the Super Bowl championship, Super Bowl MVP, his first year 50 touchdowns, over 5000 y- yards and You And you said it already. You know I'm a Russell Wilson fan, so this is tough. But going into 2020 season, JT, Mahomes is number one. Russell's number two. Mahomes has – this is the difference of all the other things you want to say about Mahomes. He has changed that team, all right? Mm. Andy Reid was there, all right? Alex Smith was there before him. Kareem Hunt was there, all right? They never even got close to a Super Bowl. The Tyreek was there. This defense, they never even got close to a Super Bowl. He comes in, automatically changes things when he's become the starter. What are you
1: talking about? They were one D Ford mistake away from getting to a Super Bowl. Who was the quarterback?
0: That's my whole point. Who was the quarterback? It was Mahomes. But I'm just saying, like, no, no, no. Let's not act, like, said, let's not, listen to me. You didn't listen. You didn't listen. I did listen to you. Hold no, on. you Can didn't I finish. Can no, I no, because you didn't listen. My whole point was they had Andy Reid, Alex Smith, Tyree Kill, Kareem Hunt, all before Mahomes became the starter. How close did they get to the Super Bowl? They didn't get close to it. Come on, man. Give the guy his due.
1: He hasn't played long enough. But I get what you. I get what you're saying. Like. There's that doesn't argument. matter
0: to this list. That doesn't matter to this list. Lamar Jackson hasn't played any longer than Patrick Mahomes.
1: So we know we know who your new favorite player is because you. I've never seen you be this mad at me. I didn't. Oh, I didn't make the damn list. I
0: don't like when guys get disrespected because someone else. He's is a little number bit more ex- four. He's, he's number being four. disrespected. How is that being disrespected? You asked me the question and I answered it. If you don't like the answer, that's that's a you problem, not a me problem. Wow. All
1: right. So uh, you see how he's going at me. So he might not like my answer. So it's hard because look at the guys that were ahead of him, Lamar. And keep in mind, this is voted on by the players. So the players are telling you what they think. Lamar was the MVP. And okay, everyone thinks he's probably one of the most athletic people in the league. He's one of the hardest people to stop, like from the athletic standpoint. So I think they're in awe of him and he's the current MVP. So I think he's number one. And Russell Wilson, and you say this all the time, he's so criminally underrated that the guys know that he's the most complete quarterback in the league. So they they know that. That's what they're telling you. But it just shows you what the players think. Mahomes is the third best quarterback in the league. Like, that's not bad. Like, this is what they're saying. They think he's better than Brady. They think he's better than Rodgers. They think he's better than Deshaun Watson. All these guys that we say are great, they're just saying he's number three. And I think it's probably – they think he's number three for a, few, for a few reasons. And some of it is probably because of what Charles Barkley said about the weapons in coaching. A lot of guys think Andy Reid's probably one of the best offensive play calls of all time, and they have arguably probably some of the best weapons in NFL history. Tyreek might be the fastest person I've ever seen on the football field. Kelsey will be a top six tight end probably when it's all said and done. And their like ancillary weapons are are amazing. Like, Nicole Harmon is one of the fastest guys in the league. Sammy Watkins isn't slow either, so they got talent. I think that's also a part of it. Another thing is, I don't know if guys in the NFL respect Mahomes from the aspect of him being clutch. I know you're going to say Lamar, but he's the MVP, so that's out the window. And I think this is why they rank Russell Wilson above him. Just look at his games in the fourth quarter and like big time games. I didn't even know this. His fourth quarter passer rating last year was 18th in the league. So that just shows that he's not necessarily clutch and players probably pick up on that Super Bowl. He was, he was playing terrible. He was outplayed by Jimmy G What he had like two interceptions, no touchdowns going into the fourth quarter. They got lucky. They came back same playoff. They trailed 24, nothing in the first half at home. To, to the Texans like I, I don't I don't know how they came back but they see that he does not play the best in the biggest games and then you brought up um the thing not being close I think the year before didn't they get shut out in the first half by the Patriots so they've seen him play in the playoffs and it hasn't always been great and then you got him going on record saying that he just learned how to read defenses essentially this past season now, that also shows how talented he is. But I think when the players are rating him the third best quarterback, they're saying that, look, we know you have the talent. We just don't think you're there yet. And to me, I think what he's suffering from, I'm making this up, but it's sort of like the LeBron James effect. Like when LeBron came into the NBA, everybody knew he was the most gifted player. They knew they were just waiting for him to become the man and be the best player to where there was no way we could say anybody else was better than you, and that's the same thing. Like Mahomes, like is a generational talent from like a quarterback perspective, not like athletic, just quarterback throwing the ball, and he's in a great offense. So before you know, you start calling him the goat, players want to see him do it, and I think that's why I would have put him at number four because I don't think you could put him ahead of Darnold. Because okay, if you I got to cut,
0: I got to cut you off now. Okay, you, you've gone way too long. Everything you just said, I can make that same argument against Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson was number one on that list. But I but nah, thing, let me finish. Let me finish. Thing, you I don't had think your I time. don't think Lamar should you have been had, number
1: one. I don't think he should okay, have been number
0: one. But this is the whole point is. Then why is he number one? Because he's not clutch. Owen 2 in playoff games. Didn't show up to either one. Well, it right. was also,
1: denial. it's also one season. He's finish. the MVP and he's electrifying. He's coming off of that. That's why they rated him number one. I didn't rate him but number one. Who
0: was the MVP before that? It was Mahomes. And Mahomes, the only reason why he didn't hit his stats, he was injured. And you talk about not being clutch. The dude was down 10 going in the fourth of a Super Bowl. And guess what he did to the best defense in the league? They scored how many points to win? I mean... The fact that guys aren't giving him respect in that Super now, Bowl. In that to, Super Bowl,
1: was there not a serious argument that people thought Damian Williams should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl?
0: Of course, okay. but again, but, but, but again, but was he, he not? not he's the not quarterback. Act, let's
1: not act like. Let's not act like he's played the best. in the playoffs. Like the team has had success, and the way he's come back has been crazy. But he hasn't been. He hasn't played like the number one guy in the playoffs. He hasn't.
0: His defenses didn't show up against Houston and Tennessee until the second half when he had to score all those He points. didn't show up in the first half either because they didn't put in it, put many points. But they ended up scoring mega points. So what's it matter when you score them if you score more than the other team?
1: So I get it. You're mad. He should be number one. All I'm saying is, there's a case to be made for all three of those quarterbacks as the best quarterback in the league, depending on who you ask. But the one thing is, it's hard to put him above Aaron Donald because I guarantee you, if you ask all the players in the league, who's the best defensive player, 95% of them are going to say Aaron Donald. So he's got to be in the top three.
0: Okay, I have no problem Aaron Donald in the top three. I think Mahomes is number one. Go go look at the stats. Go look at the titles now. Go look at how much better he is. You... you don't want to give him credit he makes no things. I do and we're gonna do get want him to
1: give him credit I think I think he's I think he's great but no I you're, think you're, you're, getting you're giving him thing.
0: credit to a certain point you're still dissing him by saying uh ah, he's good at where he's at at number four I don't think he's better
1: here's the thing I don't think he's better than Russell Wilson because I feel like if Russell Wilson was with Andy Reid and those weapons it would he would probably
0: have two or three no. Super Bowls right All right. Now. so this is what I want to talk I want to talk about Barkley's other point right talk about the weapons Hold, right. on,
1: hold on, hold on, Okay, let me get to that. <laughs> Donato, do you agree or disagree with Barkley about the weapons comment?
0: You didn't need to ask
1: the question because I was going to answer it for you. I know, I have to cut you off. you out of control right now.
0: So listen, of course Barkley's right in that it's too early, okay? But it's okay to crown him as the number one guy right now. I'm not saying he's better than Brady, Montana, whoever else you want to put, Jerry Wright, whoever else you want to put in that football player conversation. But it's okay to crown him the best right now. And I don't agree that he might be the product of Andy Reid and offensive weapons. Before Mahomes came to the set, before he came to the Chiefs, no one was saying, oh, we got to put Andy Reid in the greatest of all time. Yeah, he's a great offensive mind, but no one was putting him in the top three or five of offensive minds. Because what happens? Come playoff time, his teams always choke, right? And let's go look at the stats. You want to talk about, oh, if Russell Wilson was here or Lamar Jackson was with this system. That's not so clear. Because look at what happened, okay, when Alex Smith was there starting, let's say, in 2014 to 2017. That's four seasons, all right? In 2014, he threw over 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns. Yeah, you're going to yawn because these stats are awful. They're so normal. In 2015, 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns. In 2016, 3,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Then finally, his last season, he finally gets 4,000 yards and only 26 touchdowns. What happens the next year, 2018? A guy named Patrick Mahomes takes the reins of that Chiefs offense and doubles everything in terms of touchdowns, he doubles the touchdowns Alex Smith has. Go back to McNabb's days with Andy Reid. He never broke 4,000 yards, the Different highest NFL. amount of touchdowns he Different threw. the NFL. It doesn't matter. Highest amount of touchdowns he threw, 31 mean touchdowns. It doesn't
1: matter. Listen, <laughs> I'm literally saying it's a different. It was a different NFL. Okay, when, like in the 2006, stats, the, the stats hold on. now are going to be more than they were back then. Of course,
0: in, in two th- in the mid 2000s to late 2000s, the NFL was that much different when Manning and Brady are breaking records. Get out of here! Now you're just finding ways to to not give Mahomes his due. And this is the other thing. You, I just want to see you flip out. Would Tyreek Hill be this good with any other team? I'm not buying. it. I'm not buying it, and McCole Hardman being this good, as Sammy Watkins. I didn't say that.
1: I just said you, he had. You he has... can't
0: stand Sammy Watkins. You never take him in fantasy. You know why he doesn't produce? And now we want to say he has a great trio of receivers besides Hill. I said and I Kelsey, said he
1: has I said he has two amazing weapons, and he has a good group of ancillary weapons.
0: Besides Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, that offense is not as great. As terms of weapons. That Amy Williams Brady, is
1: a really good player.
0: He is. He is. But but it's not Kareem the same Hunt weapons. was a
1: really good player.
0: It's not the same weapons that Dak has. Not the same weapons that Brady has. It's what not the same. What are
1: you talking about?
0: That, that, they might you're have telling the best me, weapons in the league. You're telling me you would, you would rather have the Chiefs th- three weapons instead of having Amari, CeeDee Lamb, and Ezekiel Elliott. Are you out of your mind? Absolutely. You'd rather have Damian Williams than Ezekiel Elliott. Because guess
1: what? Tyreek Hill, nobody can cover him one-on-one. I don't got to worry about him disappearing on the road.
0: It's because of Patrick Mahomes. Nobody could cover him. It's because of Mahomes. Look at what Smith did with Tyreek Hill. In fact, Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt. They
1: were much younger players. They have matured.
0: I'm not saying Mahomes is trash, but I think that's what
1: you're trying to get me to admit. I'm just saying, I can see why they said he was the third best quarterback. Because what the players are saying is, and what Barkley said, I agree with what he said. One, we can't crown him as the goat yet. He's only been to one Super Bowl. You got guys with in the that. league, huh?
0: I agree that you can't that's, give him that's the what goat. that's what I'm well, you agreeing can say with. He's that's what Barkley one.
1: said. We can't crown him as the best of all time. He's only been to one Super Bowl. You got a guy in the league that's been to nine still, and he's not even in the top ten of this list. So, slow down. And like I said, I think the guys want to see him do more before they're ready to say he's the best quarterback. Like, what they're saying is the players are agreeing with Chuck, saying that it might be a little bit of Andy Reid's system, and they're saying they have some serious respect for those guys who are in his offense as weapons. They're not saying Mahomes sucks, but to be honest with you, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they could be top 10 or 12 at their position all time when it's said and done. So that's the level of talent that he has. And I know you want to talk about Alex Smith, but don't forget his last year as a starter, he was an MVP candidate in that same system. So let's not act like the system doesn't help play, people play better. And, this like Barkley, and like Barkley said, winning is hard. Like that's what he's going to have to do before we start the crowning. Like he's got to, to me, he's got to win four Super Bowls before he's even put in any go conversation. So until he wins four, I'm not having this discussion.
0: But, okay, the discussion is different. What I'm saying is – That's Bar- what Barkley said. I took his other part that he's a, he's a product of the guys around him, and I can't totally agree with that. Cannot totally agree with that.
1: Now, And now, you talked about – I, I agree with you. You do spoke I, do about I, do Smith. I think, do I think that the system and the players are turning him into this, like, generational talent? Of course, not with Holmes. is ball Like, he's a good player. He's amazing. But I think some things are a little bit easier when you have a great offensive play caller and you have some serious weapons. Of course. Because he has Andy Reid calling the plays and Eric enemy. Russell Wilson has freaking dare data bevel. Like who the hell is that?
0: Bryce Schottenheimer. Like, and these guys are terrible. And Joe Montana had Bill Walsh, Jerry and Rice, still, and, and you what? have and you have Tom Brady had Bill Belichick with that great defensive mind, keeping him in every game and but getting him to the playoffs.
1: What they but, won, they won four and six Super Bowls, and okay. that's why they're in the but, go conversation. All I'm saying is, look, you can shut me up. Mahomes wins, I shut up. The more he wins, the less I talk. I'm not saying he's a terrible player. It's I understand why you're pissed. He's not number one, but it's hard to put him. It's hard for the players to put him over the guy that just had an electrifying MVP season, a guy in Russell Wilson who the players are telling you they think he's the most complete quarterback in the league and then the best defensive player maybe the past 15 years in Aaron Donald. Sorry, he had to settle for four. What do you want me to
0: say? The Super Bowl champ that threw 50 touchdowns in 2018 got to settle for number four. Listen, I agree you can't crown him as the GOAT. I said that from the the jump. What I'm saying is Alex Smith, you're like, oh, he was an MVP and he had a great year. But you know what? He couldn't. He couldn't do all the things Mahomes did, and he had he the same I'm weapons. Not... He had the same weapons, same coach. Younger and what weapons, does Mahomes do? Doubles weapons, him. Different defense. I, I'm not saying Mahomes is trash. Like, I'm it's
1: not, not, not saying a different tra-
0: defense. 2017 to 2018, exact same team. Man. I'm not saying
1: Mahomes is trash. I think that's where you get bad at me.
0: Four is not bad because four is basically saying you're trash when he should be number one the well
1: the players disagree they think he's the third best quarterback in the league so go take it up with them
0: let me ask you this if if you're at the la fitness you got two captains i'm picking aaron donald because i don't want to get my ass kicked. they're drafting listen they're drafting teams you know you're the best one out there yet you go 4th you're not gonna look at that other team and be like you think
1: he's better than russell wilson I would say uh, see, right now, the fa- yes. The fact, the, fa- the fact that you have to pause, I'm I would telling say, you. No, because NFL play NFL players, they're playing against these what, guys. What they I want know. to
0: explain is he is the best player right now. Russell will still the MVP because Russell got nobody with the Seahawks.
1: And I will say this, and then we can move on because we spent way longer on this topic than I thought we would, but I think I will give Mahomes a pass in this respect because I've noticed the past couple of years, I really start paying attention the past couple of years to this list. NFL players are really enamored by like freak, freakish athletes. Like if it's a if it's a freakishly gifted athlete, like their interviews on that player are like so much more exciting. Like, oh man, Julio's a beast, or oh, Russell Wilson, you can't do this, blah, blah blah. And I think because Mahomes is not like a freakish athlete, maybe they, there's just not a wow factor with him in terms of, like, the players, because, like, Lamar is, like, this crazy athlete. Russell Wilson's a crazy athlete. Aaron Donald's, like, a genetic freak. Maybe that's why they haven't given him, like, the top props yet, because they're just not in awe of his, like, athleticism. And they do think, like, maybe, like, some of the system. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. So, finally, we can get to extra corona topics. Um, Let's go with this quick question. What's the best all-time performance in a loss?
0: Hands down, Mike Vick, 2000 national title game in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah,
1: I've never, I never seen somebody just take over a game when the team took, clearly sucked. Yup, took over <laughs> a game. Like, did had did
0: get to this game? <laughs> had nobody. They rallied from 21 down, and they still lost 46-29. But, bro, besides the stats, he had 322 total yards but was sacked seven times, which takes from that total.
1: Oh, I remember him getting sacked every time and him cussing out the O-line in that game. Yup.
0: He had 225 in the year, 97 on the ground. Most points ever by a losing team in the Sugar Bowl. But go look at the highlights. Single-handedly kept him in the game. One play, I forget if it was Boulware coming around the edge. He totally didn't see him, but Vic was able to spin around, spin away from him. Incredible run. Maybe the greatest run in college history. Um, uh, Mike Vick in that game was phenomenal. Still State still remember also. it to this day.
1: Yeah. I will say this about that game. Just think about how sorry Virginia Tech had to be that Michael Vick, the fastest human to ever play college football, got sacked seven times in that game. So that's that's how sorry <laughs> the <point>. team was. <laughs> but Damn. I mean, you kind of set the bar with that one. Um, I took the easy way out. I'm going to go with LeBron in game one of the 2018 NBA Finals, the J.R. Smith game. Dude, man, like 51 points, 60% from the field, eight rebounds, eight assists to have it ruined by J.R. Smith in two seconds. I think if they would have won that game, I think they win, <laughs> win more games in that series. But yeah, I got to go with that one. Cause I feel like LeBron came on a mission game one yeah. and he did his part and they let him down.
0: Yep. Was that the one where he cut his hand after the game? Cause he he's always got some something. drama. I don't know. Yeah. that That's a good one. I mean, can't go wrong with that one either all right so let's go
1: give me your top three dirtiest players of all time
0: all right so the way i define this was good i'm glad you're gonna do that you are consistently making dirty plays dirty hits after the whistle illegal hits and then you top it off with that one moment that just confirms everything you ever thought about the player all right Oh, so I know who your number one is then. So number three, I'm gonna go Marty McSorley, always known okay. as a hitter, kind of a dirty player, enforcer, and enforcer, and then of course the the stick hit to Donald Brashear, total cheap shot. Um, number two, Bill Romanowski. I, I, I guess you're number one. Not yet. Hold on, Bill Romanowski. Can I go through this list of Bill Romanowski? Listen to these things, JT. you you're gonna. You're going to be amazed by this guy. All right. So he. I know we, he's done a
1: lot of messed up stuff. We
0: all know him as, you know, a dirty player making hits. But all right, he spit in J.J. Stokes' face. hmm Remember that. I think that was a Monday night game, right? hmm Broke Kerry Collins' jaw after, after a helmet-to-helmet hit in a preseason game. Called it the most perfect hit of all time. In 2003, he crushed Marcus Williams's eye socket, his own teammate. Remember that? During an altercation at practice. He was fined for throwing a ball at Brian Cox below the belt. And then was fined a total of 45000 for multiple illegal hits, one of which included a punch thrown at Tony Gonzalez. Right? And then
1: I don't know which player said this, but I remember some guy said that he broke his finger in a, in a pile during the game
0: intentionally not surprised that's why he's number two on my list who do you think's number one on my list
1: oh it's got to be Vontez Burfict.
0: wow you know what i can't believe i didn't have him on this list whoa you basically set it up for him to be number one <laughs> i was thinking of another uh nemesis of the uh Steelers, actually you know what i gotta put him i gotta put Burfict at a tie with marty mcsorley okay cool so we got a okay. similar list then so number one jack tatum of the Raiders
1: mm. yeah one but,
0: di- but different era though so
1: like guys guys made there, a name off the, of being kind of but,
0: but there's a difference of the way he's playing late hits late hits have always been late hits and then the hit on Derek Stingley in a preseason game that paralyzed him yeah and then him having really no remorse over it even publicly that that kind of rubs you the wrong way
1: yeah I get you so our list is actually really similar and people guys at home, We do not like trade these lists at all. Cause I don't want him to steal from me. <laughs> Scary how similar our lists are. I define dirty players as people who, like you said, went, you know, way past the line, but I felt like these guys actually tried to physically harm people. And that's what they set out to do. Um, three was a tie. I got Martin McSurley and Ty Cobb. I just think they're just, <laughs> two guys that get forgotten about being dirty Ty Cobb was just ridiculous uh number two is Vontez Perfect because I actually think he tried to hurt people and that's what he enjoyed doing and then number one for me was Bill Romanowski just a laundry list of things you already read and then what we know about him it's just, and <laughs> this to me would made him the dirtiest player of all time I forgot who it was but somebody accused him of doing something dirty and they're like you know what like like, this is wrong. He's like, I don't care because I got a lot of money. And it's was like, that just lets you know, like, he don't care. And he's one of those guys that, damn, even to have him on your team, like, just, you're just not safe from him. Like, you have to watch yourself the entire game. That's the
0: scary part when, as, you, as a teammate, you're worried. Yeah. Mm. All right, JT. Well, we're bringing back the surprise JT segment. Two easy ones here. Sylvester Stallone says his fight against Drago is the best boxing scene slash match in the history of cinema. Do you agree? Um, Yeah, I can go with that. I agree as well. I agree as well. All right. The other one. Juventus last week won its ninth straight league title in the top soccer division in Italy. Are you impressed?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's money well spent, but I'm impressed. A win is a
0: win. All right. That's my squad, by the way. So I'm glad you agree because that is definitely impressive.
1: Well, they got your boys. So, I mean, they're, they're loaded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot. They got a lot more than just than just uh, Cristiano Ronaldo.
1: Yeah, but, he, but he's a big piece, though. So. He is. He
0: is. He is. Now, let's see if they can win the Champions League. So, JT, we got trivia time. So, Dak Prescott who's about to play on the franchise tag becomes only the third QB to do so. Who are the other two? Well, one has got to be Kirk Cousins. Yep, he did it twice.
1: And was oh, that the answer?
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. Good job, though, but that's one. Uh,
1: all right. Um, so who is the other QB to play on the tag? Yes.
0: This, is, this one's going to shock you a little bit. We forget. How far back do I have to go? Uh, within the last 20 years.
1: Okay, who played on the tag?
0: So not that, not that long ago.
1: I don't know, Drew Bledsoe?
0: Oh, not bad. It was actually another Drew, Drew Brees.
1: Oh, okay, all right, all right. Drew Brees. terrible, what are you talking about? They're not even close.
0: (laughs) Hey, you got the first name right. Hey, I get half the points. (laughs) All right, so... Since we've missed out on the all-star game in baseball, who was the first baseball player to win the all-star game MVP and the world series MVP in the same se- in the same season? Hmm. I think it has got to be a pitcher. First baseball player to win the all-star game MVP and world series MVP in the same season. Um, Roger Clemens. He was a teammate of this guy, but it's not Clemens. It's not it, Clemens. I figure he's the guy that could do it. Derek Jeter. Derek oh.
1: Jeter. Oh. That sounds like a lifetime
0: <laughs> achievement trophy. All right, let's see how you're gonna, how good you are at this. All right. You did you did 50% on the other NFL one. Here's another NFL one, all right? Now, if you get these, we will eliminate the trip. We will I'll give you the option. You can it's going away.
1: Okay, I get it. Yeah.
0: You can eliminate surprise JT or trivia time forever All right, from, from, our, from our show. We got to get both of these guys. Jamal Adams had six and a half sacks last season. Since the league started officially tracking sacks in 1982, just two defensive backs have racked up five sacks in a season more than once. Who are those two players?
1: I'm assuming one of them has got to be your boy, Palomalu.
0: You think Palomalu and who else? Um,
1: It's got to be an old-time guy because I'm trying to think guys that would play that close to the line. It only goes back to 82. They're DBs for sure, though, both of them?
0: Yeah, that's the whole question. Two defensive backs have racked up five sacks in a season more than once. So Jamal Adams is trying to be the third.
1: I'm going to say – Troy Polamalu and maybe Roddy Barber.
0: Nope, neither one is right. The segments will continue. <laughs> it is, you were you are on the right path with the Steelers safety, but it's Carnell Lake. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then the other one, Adrian Wilson. I forgot about him. Damn. Would have been a tough one. Would have been a tough one. All right, hey, let's do some bay. We, you know what, this show's been long enough. Damn, how many questions do you have? <laughs> let's just let's just add it on. Baseball started. Let let's talk baseball. All right, some some streaks are going to end this season, JT, because they're only playing sixty games. So, whose streak is going to end? Where? They've struck out 200 batters in eight consecutive seasons, which is the second longest streak in MLB history. All right. This season would have marked nine straight, which would have tied Tom Seaver's record. Who is this pitcher that won't be able to do it this year? Justin Verlander. Er, Max Scherzer. You should have guessed uh, the other guy.
1: <laughs> All right. the other this guy. one's a little easier.
0: All right. This team has. This won. man literally got a whole book. <laughs> yup, this team has won at least hundred games in each of the past three seasons. They were looking to become the first team in MLB history with four straight one hundred re- uh, win regular seasons. Obviously, not going to happen. Which team is this?
1: Damn, you know the sad part is this is the one I should get, and I don't even know. <laughs> you definitely should get this. Um, what team has had a hundred wins the past three seasons? Probably the Dodgers, right? Because they had the most wins last year, didn't they?
0: Er, we talked about them earlier. You actually brought them up. The Houston Astros. Oh. Should I ask you another one? Yes, let's ask this Oh, my one. gosh.
1: Dude, we, we, got, we, got, we got to go.
0: No, we don't. All right. This player is looking to match Babe Ruth and Mike Schmidt with eight consecutive... 30 homer seasons after turning 30. Who is this so, current player? So who
1: is in the league's doping wow. <laughs> policy? Wow.
0: He's just throwing guys under the bus all the
1: time. How many home runs in a season? 30? 30. Yep. Um over the so 30 the home age, runs.
0: 30 or more over the age of 30. He was looking to tie eight consecutive seasons like that after turning 30.
1: So he can't do it this year. Well, he could, but he'd have to do it in 60 games. Uh, so who's the old dude that's hitting home runs right now?
0: Get that shit, I don't even know how old some song. of these guys are. Huh? I said we got to get that Jeopardy theme song going right now. Um, this is your last. Run. This is your last one. You've struggled tonight. You're a little rusty. A little shit. All right, Um, I'm going to count down here. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to go stand. He's got to be old. (laughs) (laughs) What? not even close? It's Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah, definitely wasn't getting that one. Can we go now? (laughs) (laughs) We can. We can. The fans love it, JT. They want trivia time. You got to give the fans what they want, man. All right, JT. Well, it was a great show to the listeners out there. Thank you, as always, to listening uh, for listening to us. And remember, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember, if you like what we do, please remember to leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And also, please follow us. On social media, our handle at JT and the Dawn. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, until the next episode, see ya.
1: Peace.